Well, I invite you to take your Bibles. Uh, Lord willing, we're going to be finishing off uh, our extended series in the Gospel of Luke in the next couple of weeks. And in, as we start our life groups, our small groups in January, we'll, we'll be starting a new series, a little book called uh, Titus, and we'll be telling you a little bit more about that in, in the weeks to come. But today we're going to be talking about surprised at Christmas. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking that, again, even as I pray, that there's often so many things that are familiar at Christmas. We're wondering, been there, done that, and we get a little callous. We think, well, what, what's, what's new about this Christmas that I can experience or not experience in the past? And we need to look back as we look at the Word of God, and particularly at that first Christmas, is we sometimes think, at least maybe I do, and sometimes a little bit more shallow than I would want to admit, that I, I, kind, of, I kind of think at times that everyone in the Bible understood what was going on. You know, they, they just got it. They, they, just, they just were in it, and so it was very, very clear to them. And sometimes I'm struck with the fact that when I look back in Scripture, sometimes as I read it, I, I'm more confused than I am enlightened because I'm, I, I'm not putting all the pieces together. But when we do that, we need to realize that they're just like us. And, and there were many times as God was actually doing it, they weren't getting it. And they were filled more with surprise than a sense of uh, uh, understanding. And, and so we're going to see that this morning. But I was thinking, you know, there, there are a lot of people who are surprised by Christmas. And so I, I was just doing some research on that. And, and I found that there's actually a book called Surprised by Christmas. It's written by a man who has his master's from Yale and his PhD from Princeton. And you can get it for $7.95. Okay, I probably should have purchased it before I'm preaching on it. But yeah, he's, he's uh, promoting Surprised by Christmas. And then I was thinking about um, just some things that people can buy on Amazon. Do you know that you can get a Chevy Chase t-shirt? Remember a National Lampoon uh, Christmas uh, story? And you can get this t-shirt for $22.95, all right? And here's what's on the front of it. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am now. And then it's Clark Griswold, if you remember his name in that movie, all right? And then I was thinking just all the different, you know, popular movies, not listing them all, but there are some famous Christmas movies, you know, Elf, It's a Wonderful Life, you want to go back a little bit, Miracle on 34th Street, A Christmas Story, and of course, that's not the Christmas story. It's a Christmas story. It's all about a little rifle, okay, you know. Um, and then the, my, one of my favorites is Home Alone. Home Alone, you know, the, the story about the eight-year-old uh, as the family decided that they would get, get away at Christmas. And as they began counting heads, they realized that someone was missing, and it was the eight-year-old son. Now, one reason I like that, because that kind of reminds me of our family a little bit. You know, we have four children, and I remember on a, I don't remember what time of year it was, but, but we, we were going to church, and I, I got there earlier, even though we were only a couple miles away, so I got there early, and, and then Alice would usually have the, the task of bringing the four children with her. Well, we got there, and there was two services in Sunday school and things like that, and after it was all over, uh, she began counting heads, and she realized she only counted three. There, there was someone missing, and then she said, well, okay, I... Uh, that's okay because I'm sure he came with Mike. So, so she, she comes up to me and says, well, where's, where's our other child? Did, did he come with you? And, and I said, he didn't come with me. And all of a sudden, we, we realized that we had our Home Alone story uh, is that Mark was at home for the whole morning while we were at church. And um, I probably wasn't nervous. I, hope, I was hoping he wasn't there when we got there. But, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, no, I, 
Alice, you know, she was filled with anxiety because, you know, she had left, we had left, it was probably my fault, we had left Mark home all morning while we were at church. Now, I just want to let you, just to let you know how spiritual Mark was. He was just devastated that he missed church that day. He was just, he just, you know, oftentimes he was in their service hearing my messages. So he just, he just couldn't understand how he missed one of my sermons. But, but you know, sometimes things happen and they're, they're surprises. You weren't playing and they happen. And as we think about the time around the setting of the first Christmas, uh, that happened to them as well. And what I want to do is, is, uh, as quickly and I guess summarily now as I can, is I, I want to talk about some groups of people that were surprised at Christmas. I want to talk about who were surprised at Christmas and, and why were they surprised. And, and I kind of want to look at, at the, 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 the kind of the scope of people we could relate to even not only then but now as well. We're going we're gonna to look at both genders, men and women. We're going to look at uh, people that were religious and not religious. We were people that that um, had all kinds of expectations during that time in which Jesus arrived, arrived, as the Bible said, in the fullness of time. God always is on time. We're not always on time, but God is always on time. And, and they were surprised, and we're going to look at why they were surprised. And, and as we look at that, may, maybe we can envision ourselves in that particular first story of Christmas. Or, or maybe there's some people that, that we know that are, that are experiencing that in a deep, way now as they're surprised at a time in which everyone else seems to be smiling everyone seems to be filled with with joy or happiness and they're excited about uh, being with family and all of a sudden they realize that that part of their family is not going to be there and as they think about the things that are important to them and they realize that's not going to happen for a variety of reasons and as they began to think through all that that means, they're saying, well, who's responsible for that? And they might be able to look back at their own life and say, well, maybe it's partially because some of the choices I made or that person made. But ultimately, if God is good and God is great, then he could have kept that from happening. And so as we look at Christmas, and Christmas is the announcing of good news that's in the story, for some, as they think about Christmas back then and today as well, it, it doesn't seem like that news is so good because what they're going through or then or what they're going through now. And so this morning, ho- hopefully we realize that the Christmas is, is really for everybody, but it's particularly for people who desperately need, and we all desperately need it, but sometimes we're at that place in our life where we see we need it, why Jesus came to, to deal with that which is broken in our life or the lives of people around us. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to just pick up a few passages of Scripture that, that are going to kind of center the theme of what I want to share with you this morning. But who was surprised at Christmas and why? And first of all, we're going to look at an older married man. And we're going to look at people who are married and look at people who are single. And we're going to look at an older married man, and he's known as Zacharias. And Zacharias, you could say he was pretty religious. He was a priest, and, and his name actually means God remembers. And so as he's going through life and he's come to the place in his life where it's really at the height of his experience because he has an honorable experience to go into the holy place. And as he's preparing to do that, he goes in with a sense of joy and commitment, but also a heavy heart because he's married. He has a wife named Elizabeth. And their desire was great to have which every family um, seemed to have the, all their friends and all the people who were close to him. Uh, they all had children, and, and yet Zacharias and Elizabeth did not have a child. 
And so he goes into the, that special place, and all of a sudden, God shows up. He shows up by sending one of his messengers. He sends one of his messengers, and a messenger in the Old Testament and New Testament, they're described as a certain type of people. They were what? Angels. The word angel, angelos, simply translated means messenger. So a messenger from God shows up. And when a messenger from God shows up, it's pretty significant. It's, it's one of those messengers you, you don't, you don't uh, somehow misunderstand that this is something not uh, uh, normal. Uh, he, he recognized this was from God. And, and all of a sudden, his reaction was like most people's reaction when an angel shows up. You're, you're filled with fear. And so the message comes out, <laughs> don't be afraid. But then the message comes up, oh, I've got good news for you you're going to have a child. Your wife, Elizabeth, is pregnant. Now, I was thinking about this for some of you here this morning. Um, that would be a surprise if somehow you, you went home and said uh, either to you as the, 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 the female variety this morning, uh, you're going to have a baby. Would that be surprising for you? All of a sudden you got that? Or, or, or some of you men, if all of a sudden, you know, you got everything planned out, and all of a sudden an angel showed up and said, guess what? You're going to have another baby, another child. Um, and, and so he was totally surprised that this happened. Now, he actually wanted this to happen, so he wasn't somehow angry about it, but he just said, this is impossible. But what I want to share with you about Zacharias, who was a rather spiritual man, in fact, it describes him as being righteous and devout. Uh, when God showed up, what showed up in Zachariah's life was not faith, but doubt. And so we need to recognize that at that first Christmas, people were surprised. And the reaction, the reason they were surprised, because they weren't filled with expectation about what God was going to do. And the reason they weren't experiencing expectation for what God was going to do, because God hadn't done it already when he should have done it. Can, can anybody relate to that? You don't have to show hands, but can anybody relate to that? God, 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 I know you're not going to do it because you haven't done it. And, and, and so he got this message in a miraculous way, and he's filled not with faith. He's, he's a spiritual leader. He's filled with doubt. And, and, and picking up the, the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 18, it says, As Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. So all of a sudden, he said, look, at, I, I know you've given this message to me pretty clear that I'm going to have a baby. Uh, my wife's going to have a baby. We're going to have a child. We, we've wanted this all of our life. But I, how do I know you really know what you're talking about? And I'm sure we never say it to God that way either. When there's certain things in the Bible that, there's certain things in the Bible we agree with, and there's certain things in the Bible that are harder to live out, right? Would we say that's true? How do I know if you really know what you're talking about? How, how do I know you know, angel, you really know that I, we're going to have a child? And the story goes on. It says, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be filled in their proper time. Now, I, I want to make a very simple point this morning as we look at the older man named Zacharias and his surprise at Christmas. He was filled with doubts, and, and, and the truth is there are many people who are filled with doubts at Christmas. There are many people who would, who would look at what we're doing right here and say, this is, this is, this is foolishness. The story of Jesus is like the story of you know, a man with a white beard, right? We won't, he'll remain nameless this morning, right? 
It, 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 there isn't anybody you know, traveling from one rooftop to the other rooftop to the other rooftop throughout the whole world passing out gifts to little, little people, right? And, and I think the story of Jesus is the same way. And, and they're filled with doubts, and it might be because there's intellectual issues they're wrestling with, or it might be some personal issues. How can I believe in a God who's supposedly good and great, and all these things have happened to me? I've committed my life, my, my wife and I have committed our lives to serve God, and you can't give us one child. And, and so he did not believe at that moment. And maybe you know people who can't believe. Well, I want to say to you, at Christmas is a time in which God is having our doubts answered. And it's one of the reasons we believe it's, it's really true. Zacharias was experienced a little minor miracle here. He was made mute for a certain amount of time, and then right at the time in which he was given, he was told he was going to give him speech back, he got speech back. But if you look at Jesus at Christmas, the miraculous was displayed in amazing ways. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says about Jesus throughout his life, the reason he did signs or miracles so that people might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, 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 and believing in him, you might have life in his name. You cannot explain the life of Jesus without attaching miraculous to it. And so we think at Christmas, the reason we believe because the miraculous happened that first Christmas. But also, as you think about it, not only do we believe that our doubts can be answered because the miraculous happened at Christmas and throughout the life of Jesus. Also because God made some predictive statements. In the Christian world, we call those prophecies. And you can see so many different predictive statements in the Old Testament coming true in the New Testament, particularly at the, the life of Jesus, at the birth of Jesus. You know, just taking one in Matthew chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. In Malachi chapter 5, verse 2, it was designated very clearly where this one would come who was to be the Messiah, and was to be in Bethlehem. But the other thing you can look at that is you, is you look at, at Christmas, what happened is lives were changed. And we're going to see that in the next group of people we looked at. But as you think about why, why should you believe that the Christ of Christmas is, is a true story, it's because the miraculous happened, prophecies were fulfilled, and lives were changed. And hopefully you know many people whose lives used to be one way, are now the other, and another. Not because they're perfect, but their lives have been dramatically changed or substantively changed. Why? Because they met the Christ of Christmas in a personal way. But if you look at this married man, an older man named Zacharias, who, whose name meant God remembers, is why was a child given to this particular couple? Because there was a purpose given at Christmas. And this purpose was that Christmas is all about being prepared to meet Jesus. Their little boy named John, and they were surprised that they were going to name him John. He was given for the purpose of preparing the way for people to meet this one who would be the Messiah. And again, their lives would be dramatically changed. Then he would be the one in the midst of seeing Jesus, that this is truly the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. Christmas is missed. If people don't realize, if we don't realize, if our friends don't realize, the message of Christmas 
is all about preparing people to meet Jesus. And, and that's why for us who are followers of Jesus, that we need to realize that's, that should be our passion at Christmas. How, how can I somehow point people to realize Christmas is about not just knowing the details of that little story in the New Testament, but this story is a big story. And it's about pe- people meeting the one who also had the name Emmanuel, God with us, so that they, they would meet Jesus. But there's another group of people that were surprised at Christmas, and they were older and younger, and they were probably men, but they were known as shepherds. And shepherds, they weren't necessarily filled with doubt. They, they, some would describe them as they weren't filled with a whole lot. They were, just, they were kind of, they were just out there. But when they were out there, I would say this is what was true about them, and this is what, who Christmas is for. It's, it's for people filled with doubts, but it's also for those who, who feel insignificant at Christmas, thinking they're not very important. Now, this is an interesting thing as you think about the shepherds. The shepherds uh, have a, a kind of a convoluted history in terms of what people thought about shepherds. In the Old Testament, you had Moses was a shepherd. King David was a shepherd. And the reason I said older and younger, Moses was a little bit older when he was a shepherd, and David was a little bit what? Younger. He was the youngest, and he was out there tending the sheep. As we think about Christmas, Christmas is for everyone of every age, older and younger. But what we all need to realize is that Christmas is not just for the important people. In fact, often the important people refuse to get it. For instance, Herod, you would say he wasn't insignificant. He was what? Significant. He wasn't unimportant. He was important. I mean, he, he was a ruler. He was a king. In fact, he wanted to control the circumstances of Christmas. Of course, he couldn't. But here you have the shepherds, and shepherds were just out on the hills, right? And the shepherds at the time of Jesus, uh, they had lost almost all significance. Reading what others have said about that. In the Mishnah, Judaism written record of the oral law it reflects the prejudice referring to shepherds in belittling terms. One passage describes shepherds as incompetent. Another says, no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. This is in print. This, is, this wasn't just rumor. It's, it's in writing. Uh, some shepherds uh, earned their poor reputations. Now, they had certain stereotypes about them. They were considered Second class and untrustworthy, despised in everyday life. Jeremiah documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights. They could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted to, in court as witnesses. And in that day, if you, you could go to court if you had two or three witnesses and be pretty uh, sure that you could win your case. But if somehow those witnesses were shepherds, it, it didn't matter. I don't know about you. I'd start having a self-image problem, right? <laughs> You don't trust me in any possible way? Another wrote this, to buy wool, milk, or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. In fact, later on it says the rabbis even, they marveled, how could, how could somehow God, in Psalm, maybe Psalm 23, we didn't get it right, you know. And so as we look at that first Christmas, not only do you have an old man, you know, who should have known better but didn't, filled with doubt. He couldn't even believe that an, an angelic message that God had a capacity to bring birth into a womb of, a, of an older woman and bring a family uh, without children with children. 
And he had a direct purpose for that. But, but those doubts were satisfied as even in the midst of, of giving a, a person an object lesson, you're not going to be able to speak. And can you just imagine that? Having a preacher who could not preach, having a speaker who could not, having a teacher who could not. I mean, that's what happened. Okay, it would be like, okay, duct tape over, over Zacharias for months, okay? And, and God demonstrated that I'm going to show you that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. He was filled with doubts, but because of the miraculous happened, he was filled, he, his doubts turned to faith. But, but then you have the shepherds, and the shepherds, they're there, and they, they're feeling insignificant. They're not important. They, they're not trusted. They, they're looked down upon. And they were ostracized from the religious world because often their job was not a five-day-a-week job or a six-day-a-week job. It was a seven-day-a-week job. It was not easy for them to make it to the synagogue or to the temple. And often that's why they were so ostracized spiritually because, quite frankly, if you were honest about them, um, they weren't important. They were a necessity, but they weren't important. And so I would put it this way. Christmas is, is about people who are not necessarily religious because they couldn't be religious. They couldn't be religious in the same way other people were religious. But, but their heart could have been close to God, and, and we see particularly it was because when they experienced it, dramatic things happened. But what we need to understand is Christmas is about people who want true peace and joy. Let's look at in Luke chapter 2, one of the more familiar parts of the, the story of Christmas. Beginning with verse 8, in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And shepherds... Uh, not only did they have a seven-day-a-week a job, it was pretty much often 24 hours a day. I mean, they, you know, they, they spent time finding places to eat for the sheep, and then they, they bedded down with them. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. That's always what they've got to, the angels have to say to us when we, when we meet them. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace among men with whom he is well pleased. So the shepherds who were not important, they weren't particularly religious, but they were, and you'll see, we've read the rest of the text, they were excited because they were given good news of, of what everyone needs and wants. And they were eager to receive it from someone who could give it to them and, and didn't worry about what other people thought. And what did, they, what did they want? They wanted what God offered, great joy and peace. The word for, for great in the original language is mega. They, wanted, they, got, they were promised mega joy. And what is joy? Joy is in contrast to normally how we think of happiness. Happiness is dependent upon the circumstances around you. When Christmas was over, those shepherds went back to shepherding. Their circumstances did not change. And can I share this with you about Christmas? Christmas is not a promise that your circumstances are going to change. I wish I could promise that for you. But it wasn't true back then. It's not true now. But I can tell you this. Your future changes dramatically. In, in the midst of whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, that you can experience joy that God gives. And, and joy is that sense of, of well-being on the inside, that the goodness of God is there. 
And peace is not the promise of the absence of conflict, but in the midst of whatever you're going through, you have the presence of God. And that's, that's what Christmas is all about. The, the word for peace in the Hebrew language is shalom, and it, and it really has the idea of, of that which is broken being put back together. It's the idea of, of being complete and made whole. And these shepherds who, who felt ostracized and were ostracized, <laughs> they, they were the scum of Israel. They, they, they couldn't testify in a court. They couldn't even sell the goods because people thought, well, I can't, that's stolen goods. But they were whole and complete on the inside because they had experienced in the message of the one who came for all people but came for specifically them as well. So we look at Christmas. Christmas is a, is a place in which people were surprised. And well, there was an old married man who, who God did the miraculous and gave him a child, he and his wife, filled with doubts and then became filled with faith. Or, or shepherds who were insignificant, unimportant. And in the midst of Christmas, what changed is they experienced what we sing about and put on refrigerators, the message of great joy and peace in the midst of a world that did not have peace and didn't offer a lot of joyful experiences. And then real quickly, there's, there's one other character that we don't really have a whole lot of detail about. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. I'll read the section and then just make a couple observations. And, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, at the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And then that's all we hear. We don't know anything much before that or afterwards. That's two or three verses. What do, we, what do we learn here about those who were surprised at Christmas? She was a single, if you want to put it that way, or widowed woman, and she's known as Anna. Now, I particularly like the, <laughs> the name Anna. I, I, I named my daughter's middle name Ann, uh, which is just short for Anna. My granddaughter's name is Hannah. Okay, but in the, in the Old Testament and New Testament, Anna and Hannah really are the same name. And that name means grace. And grace means getting what you don't deserve or getting much better than you deserve, right? And here, if you were thinking about this, isn't this, wasn't she misnamed? I mean, calling this grace that she's getting the good things in life better than she deserved? She, she got married, and she was married for seven years, and now she's been single, and now she's 84, and I'm thinking, well, well, maybe she got married late in life. Well, that was not the custom of that day. You would be married as a young teenager, maybe 15 or 16. Let's say she was married at 16. She was married for seven years. Now she's, what, 23? Now she's 84. She has been widowed or single for how long? Over 60 years, right? Over 60 years. She has been all alone. And you could put it this way. I, I try to push it together this way. She, she felt after Christmas and what she had done, she had seen Jesus after he was born. 
The shepherds saw him at his birth, basically. Uh, Zacharias had Christmas before he was born, and now you have Anna experiencing Christmas after Christmas. She felt after Christmas the worst had already happened and thinking her purpose or life was limited. And maybe you can picture it like as I was kind of wrestling with it, is that you know, when you get married, you're, you're, you're thinking your, your marriage is going to last a long time, right? It lasted seven years, and you think, well, well maybe I'll, I'll get a new life partner. It, it never happened. And so, at least on a practical level, her life might have felt very limited that somehow she had, she had missed what, whatever purpose she had for her life. And now it was, it was still important, but it was not what she had expected. She, she was all alone. And we need to realize that the Christmas is also for people who are alone. And though that might not be what people want, that is where they're at at the moment. They, they are all alone. And for those, it's also, when you look at it on a practical level, Christmas is, is for people who think there is no reason to hope. It's quite possible when she became a widow, she was thinking, well, after a few years, I'll get remarried. And then it lasted a little bit longer than she thought. And then she said, well, there's still a little bit of hope. And I'm sure by the time she was in her 70s and early 80s, if 84 is mid-80s, she realized that there's no more hope. And yet Christmas is... Is for people who are alone and may feel there is no hope. She, she had the privilege of, of being written in the Bible. That's, that's pretty important. I wouldn't mind being written in the Bible. And, and then all of a sudden, her ministry, which was always in the temple, got expanded. She went around telling everybody about this one that she saw, this little child, who at Christmas was born, as we see Christmas, and his life would change everything. And she had the privilege of meeting him, even though she was all alone and less like the shepherds, insignificant or unimportant, and yet... Her importance is so immense that she's recorded for us. God did give her grace. You know, that still happens today. I was reading an article written by a, a young woman who was single. And you think about Advent. Advent is about waiting for God to show up. And you think, think about Advent before Jesus showed up, but he hadn't showed up. And so they're waiting. When is the Messiah going to come? And and they're waiting and waiting and waiting. Expectation is going to happen, but is it going to happen in their lifetime? She writes this. A, a young woman, late 20s, early 30s. In my own life, indefinite waiting has come in the form of singleness. For years I prayed to meet a godly man, not only because I desire the, the kind of love and companionship that marriage brings, but also because I've seen how good marriages, good marriages, can make each spouse better able to love, serve, and glorify God. My single years have been a period of waiting without a clear end point, without any promise of a yes or even a definite no. At times, I'm filled with hope for the kind of man God may bring into my life and also for what God can do in and through my singleness, but there's also a desperation mixed in with my hope that I wish I could get rid of. As my singleness continues into the unknown future, I look to Jesus, the God who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's John's Christmas story, basically one verse. For all of us, single or married, the, the particularities of our waiting may be different, but the promise of God will always be the same. Now, God's will is not for everyone to be married, and, and you are not 
um, out of God's will if you're not married. And, and God, through Paul, said there, there, there is an advantage of being single. But you might be in that place where I don't want to be single. Maybe you are satisfying your singles, and that's awesome. But as we think about Christmas, and this is what we need to read about the realities of Christmas, is that as we wait for what we hope God does next, anybody waiting for some specific things now for what we want God to do next? We know the future God has settled, but maybe right now we're thinking, God, show up and change this. And the reality, and sometimes the surprise of Christmas, is that God in his infinite plan, he might not show up the way you want him to show up. You might remain single, or your health might never get better, or the loved one you care about that you've been praying that a healing might happen, or that the circumstances, reversal, finances, job, whatever it might be, might never change, or, or the marriage you want to get immensely better is, is still struggling down that same path, or the fears you have for your loved ones, and those fears seem to be overwhelming. And, and God, if you would just change the circumstances, those fears would be settled. And what we have then and now is that God might not change your circumstances, but God will show up. And see, that's what Christmas is about, is that God showed up. And as we think about participating in Christmas now is, is to give the hope that if you put your faith in the Christ of Christmas, He will show up. He will be with you and in you. Because that's what He offers. He offers that everything changes when God who is out there becomes the God who's in there. My hope for you and for me, if I've settled, first of all, that, that I have the Christ of Christmas, and in the midst of living, that I, I so stay near him, that that shows out and leaks out in others as well. Let's pray together. If I pray for all of us this morning that, first of all, we've settled that most of life's most important question, that, that we do have the Christ of Christmas. In the midst of our doubts, in the midst of, at times, feeling insignificant, in the midst of being alone, even in the midst of a crowd, that, that we recognize that we're never alone when Christ is in us. And Father, you're always only a prayer way, and it begins with, dear Lord Jesus, I want to know you. Come into my life right now. Forgive me of my sins, which separates me from you. I want to know you and love you and follow you. And then, Father, after I make that commitment, Lord, help me to keep on that journey of living with you and for you in my life. And we praise in Christ's name. Amen.